<laughs> okay, so why don't we transition into talking about um, Asian culture? Because we talked about it, we, we touched briefly upon it uh, mm-hmm. before. And I have a lot to say about it. I'm sure you have your hot takes as well. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Asian culture, do you want to start us off? Maybe with a provocative comment. A thought. A thought. A provocative comment. Um, Asian culture. Stop selling trauma porn. That's my <laughs> hot take. That's like the one that has been on my mind the most. Um, so maybe I'll elaborate because that term sounds kind of... Wait, by the way, can I just say we are both first-generation immigrants, okay? Like, if anyone has a say on in Canada, okay, let's say in Canada, yeah, we do, can. okay? So anyone who's like, oh, you're discrediting the experience of... Well, <laughs> yeah. Well, you're discrediting... Stop speaking for us, okay? Yeah. We know. Like stop speaking for us. We'll speak for ourselves. The heck? Yeah. Why do you? Why do you assume <laughs> uh, Chinese people are just these passive? Oh, you're just gonna beat us? Uh, oh, oh, whatever. Okay, I'll oh, just go ahead. No. Go ahead. No, They're, Chinese people are the it, okay? most hard. Okay, actually, I shouldn't say that. But we we can we can, we will push through. Okay, we are a strong strong culture. We will not stand. Uh, uh, your adversity okay yeah also if you are a first generation immigrant and you are truly truly offended by our hot take then uh, fight me I, I am sorry but you should probably reflect on your own experiences <laughs> um, or maybe you are actually offended by it and i'm just sorry but basically <laughs> my but your, ex- your their experience doesn't speak for our experience exactly your experience so, is your experience and just yeah. because it's your experience doesn't mean that it should be reflected in social in in, in a countrywide policy okay why yeah. should people okay anyways like like the world isn't a 13 year old girl's like fantasy world okay like anyways continue yes my hot take of tonight is that um, we all need to stop reducing our individual immigrant stories as mere tragedies for the admissions office. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think we... Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah. Okay. Yes, sir. Amazing. <laughs> I was waiting for that. <laughs> Um, I think it's so easy for us to perpetuate this narrative of like just like painting ourselves just painting ourselves as the victims Um, even though we are the victims in a lot of scenarios when we talk about our story and when we put it out for discussion um, you have to be so careful that you are portraying it in such a way that is genuine to you because for myself I've done a lot of reflection in the past little bit and I've realized how easy it is for for me to present a narrative that is already so widely spoken about and you hear about uh like the suppression, the microaggressions, all of that, which is completely valid. But 
you have to ask yourself if that is your story as well and you have to ask yourself if that experience is truly genuine to what you have lived through because if it's not then you are just you're just stepping on the necks yeah i'm just i've i'm guilty of this as well you know Uh, identifying myself in victim status in order to exert some there's power in being a a victim Mm -hmm, it really is people don't talk about this it's so easy to shut up an opposing side or assert your moral ground Mm -hmm. by by identifying by the way being a victim is not an eternal state okay people use these these titles oh you're an oppressor you're that that but that is not it is it is the define it perhaps it is a characteristic uh, of an experience or mu- a multitude of experiences but mm-hmm. it is not who we are okay mm-hmm. we are not a victim we've experienced perhaps instances where we have been a victim of some sort of a thingamajig but mm-hmm. we are not a victim okay yeah absolutely um yeah and so when you when you tell stories and you perpetuate this narrative of like victimization and you put you paint yourself literally as the victim then you are selling your soul basically you're that stripping is, power from yourself you're stripping like yeah, your own you agency are putting yourself behind everybody else to start and you are clap you're literally clapping for yourself and patting your own back for overcoming all of this but Although this might work out for you, it puts us so many steps back for like as a population of Asian people or like people of color in general um, because they buy it. Like the white admissions officers will buy it. They will love your story and they will be touched by your story because you exercised great pathos but did you exercise ethos hey by the way like when are we going to stop being victims when is that going to stop because with um uh like with women for instance mm-hmm. it's it just seems like in the social arena we've been just eternal victims when now statistically we've basically reached the same threshold as men it's just a matter of time for waiting for like those old guys um uh the the rothschilds family all these rich old families that have established their power to to, i don't know die off or something to allow the new generation to rise up um but more progressingly so or we're seeing more gender equality uh and in in fact gender equal inequality in favor of women in academia for instance so when are we going to stop being a victim because with women now that economically and financially and 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 in terms of socially we have we have made huge ground um there that that conversation is kind of over now there's this new conversation about microaggressions oh my goodness and they they are just as bad because they lead to fetishization and then they lead to wait i don't know they lead to there's this whole string of events (laughs) <laughs> on, on, and that, that eventually leads to yeah. genocide. It's crazy. Oh my god! And, and I mean, as a woman, okay, mm-hmm. as a woman. So when are we gonna stop being the victim? 
Because when we identify ourselves as a victim socially, what we are implicitly suggesting is that there needs to be social change, okay? Mm. Other people need to change. They need to be better. But I subscribe to the idea that, like, the, the most meaningful change that you can make is on the individual level. Unless there's true systemic barriers in your way, um, uh, like, like redlining in the past. Then that needs to be getting rid of. But you cannot, you cannot abdicate the growth of the individual, and you cannot blame it on other people. Okay, even if you're in a poor area, I like, like people, white people talk about this all the time. Oh, they came from a poor environment. Oh my goodness, they don't know anything. They don't know any better. Okay, they don't, they don't know how to gain success. Oh my god, like. That's not true. As someone, as I came from, my uh, my parents came from China with literally the clothes on their back, the typical、um, Chinese immigrant trope. Okay, we lived in a very very poor area in in Vancouver, and and they they work themselves to the bone to to build the career that we have now. And hey, look at where I am now. So I know what it's like to be on both sides. Okay, and I know that. With with、um, like personal development, with perseverance, you can do it. Okay, don't let these white upper middle class people on social media tell you that. Oh, you're being your your individuality is being stripped away from you from society. You are you are a victim, and there's no there. You have no choice in this. You you have no choice in this. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. Okay, okay. Don't. Like this is just a f- like this is a fad. This is a scam. Okay, the reason why they're saying this is so. Oh, you can you can keep keep just doing personal reflections and keep doing keep going all to all these conferences to, to be coddled and and go major in gender and sexuality studies and African American studies in university. Waste. Okay, twenty k. Uh, uh, like. Of, of like waste, like no, sorry, not twenty k, two thousand k, like get two thousand k in student loan debt, and while they're sending off their kids in in into business school and the comp side, okay, it's it's a strategy by the media <laughs> to to keep us back. I don't know. I, this is getting into conspiracy theories, but now <laughs> with the media, okay. Don't listen. The media pushes stories that are sensational. Okay, that you'll get yeah, clicks. Yeah. Yeah, and people are like, oh, if there's one story, there needs, there's probably a million more.、Uh, hello, like these people, they don't know anything about social media. They don't know anything.、Mm-hmm. They yeah, don't know anything about any. Idea. Sorry, sorry, I, I've no, been going on a no, tangent. Please, absolutely right. It's the same idea as like, oh my gosh, I saw this thing where、um, some girl was saying, if you if you have a guy friend that feels like that that is sad or whatever, just. Ask him to open a plastic water bottle for you. It's like they want to help you, and they want to feel like they are aiding you to fulfill your full potential or whatever, you know. But when you are always like handing them the water bottle, the metaphorical water bottle, and you are always asking for help, and you are always asking to. Be taken seriously as people of color. If you take yourself seriously, they will take you seriously. So, yeah, I don't know. I think 
it's like an overcorrection of um, obviously a lot of the tragic uh, racial <laughs> discrimination that has happened bef- in the past but now we're like kind of hitting the point where like that's it's just too much correction it's so much to the point that people are getting too smart with it and when you get smart with things like perpetuating this narrative then you are hurting everybody else mm-hmm. yeah because it's not it's not the racist establishment that is that is that is uh racializing our identity no it's you okay stop yeah. racializing me exactly okay i am i am <laughs> don't tell me don't tell me what to think of my experiences i've of course i've experienced microaggressions and you know who they're from they're from other asian people yeah that is very common hey that why isn't that a conversation that's being had at least in canada i don't know about what's happening in america which is okay i'm gonna go on a tangent again so so brace yourself which is and we talked about this yesterday and this is gonna be a part of the title of my podcast uncle roger and associated and uh, related media channels need to be cancelled okay the ones that are perpetuating these harmful stereotypes and stupid stupid stereotypes about asian people are people like uncle roger who has who has massive audience millions of people mostly white girls who who like oh my god anyways they don't they don't know anything and he he perpetuates this uh, this caricature of white of chinese people yeah it's 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 horrible accent okay it doesn't capture any of the cultural nuance it's not even a, an asian accent what kind of asian that's not an asian accent it's mm-hmm. it, it, it's no it's it, he's just being stupid and he's just being illiterate that's what he's doing he's he's um it, that asian people asian immigrants at least they're they're illiterate they're socially inept they don't know anything about anything oh how innocent they are oh how precious we need to take care of them this infantilization of asian people and 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 Oh my god and i mean i guess we really like fried rice but i mean that's that's kind of true <laughs> and and, it's, and this has been a long pattern from my childhood i witnessed many of these chinese uh, or asian um, content creators on youtube doing the same damn thing stretching all the way back to jk films although jk films did a really great job capturing capturing the cultural nuance um, but it just got worse and worse and worse from there on from Linda D productions on onto on now we have Uncle Rogers horrible horrible things and oh, and and people will say oh but like in the comments it's just all these white girls oh you're so precious so cute listen Uncle Roger they're not laughing with you they're laughing at you because of how how stupid you're like you're like a clown you're like this donkey okay and that, that that's just that just like I don't know the shitting on his own culture on his own heritage by the way what is this guy's background he speaks fluent english is he (laughs) even an an immigrant he doesn't know anything about anything i need to search up this guy anyways i'm gonna stop my tangent now yeah um that's actually very real when you talked about i was i never actually watched uncle roger i did watch um Linda D. Linda what? Linda, Linda D. Productions. D. Productions. Yeah. Yeah, because she's like she's from Vancouver, isn't she? Yeah. 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 She I, does a horrible Chinese accent. What is that? Why do people watch her? The thing is, she's not even Chinese. <laughs> what is she? 
Because she's, I think she's like Viet or something. I don't. Yeah. 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 Exactly. All these, all these Asian um um media personalities. Doesn't matter if they're Malaysian, like Uncle Roger or Viet, like Linda D Productions. They all um. Portray this one unified, stupid, stupid image of Chinese cult, Asian culture, which, which perpetuates this idea that we are just a monolith, okay? And we are not, okay? Even within one country, China, it's huge. There's like, there's like 800 different dialects, which is, which basically functions as its own language. So many different cultures within one country, like, yeah. call it. We need, Asian people need to do better. Okay, it's not necessarily these white people uh, who, uh, racializing us. It's us racializing ourselves. Yeah, yeah, and it, there's such a fine line between like reclaiming the stereotypes and literally just perpetuating them, like literally feeding it to the masses,、um, and then also like. Yeah, I guess going back to the point of like turning around and trying to pat yourself on the back for overcoming all of these stereotypes and all of these discrimination, discriminatory experiences that you may have had.、Um, yeah,、mm-hmm. it's so it's. I think it's it's hard because who is able to tell these people that? Hey, like. Stop being the victim, <laughs> you know. Just like you can't, because we need so, to tell ourselves that. Yeah, and you, everybody needs to be able to sit back and actually self-reflect, and you know, sacrifice a scholarship or two to for like the greater good of all people of color, of all Asians, of all.、Black. I mean, we can only. Talk about really Chinese people in Canada, really.、Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it, with the indigenous population, it's it's a whole different ball game.、Um, I guess similar principles apply to a small extent, but it's very hard to speak for them.、Mm-hmm. Their, their situation、true. is just so tragic. I mean,、yeah. I, I was I just uh, uh, once I was Lost in Surrey Central because I have no sense of direction, and there was this、um, there was this indigenous lady that helped me out with direction. She was a very nice lady, and we had this very long discussion. You know, I I I have very long discussions with everyone.、Yeah. I cannot have a short discussion, and um, she told me about her background. She was born and raised on a reservation, and uh, there's this culture of bullying. And torment and drug abuse、uh, within these、uh, reservations, where cousins and siblings would bully each other to a point where、uh, they they would commit suicide. It's horrible. It's horrible.、Um, and parents were absent.、Uh, there's a huge widespread drug problem. They don't know how to be parents because、uh, they were stripped away from their parents from such a young age. The last、um, residential school was closed. Nearly 30 years ago, so there's people living today who have experienced residential schools, and、um, it's it's horrible these living conditions and and broken culture. 
uh, that has developed in the aftermath of this violent stripping. So we cannot speak for them. But anyways, this 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 uh, Uncle Roger guy, Nigel Ng. I don't know how to pronounce that. He is, yeah, he he's Malaysian or he was born in Malaysia. And oh, look at this. He studied engineering and philosophy at Northwestern, and he is currently divorced and he is 30 years old okay he's divorced at 30. what the heck i mean he just got married and he's divorced i mean that speaks something about his character he's divorced <gasps> for a reason um or maybe it's his wife's problem but at the same time you got yourself into that relationship <laughs> you you are that? you are what you attract in some sense and okay oh <laughs> interesting <laughs> We gotta come back to that one when we get to our love topic. <laughs> Anyways, so yeah, so this guy, I don't like him at all. He needs to be cancelled. Ugh, it's disgusting. Disgusting. Yeah. Anyways, how dare you? I don't believe in cancel culture, but if anyone should be cancelled, it is Uncle Roger, okay? You and your stupid fried rice. I make better fried rice than you. Stupid. I believe that. Chris, Kristen? Is cook. Is <laughs> I am cook. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Jeez. I, I'm kind of sweating. I, I got myself so riled She's up. She's so there. worked up. Yeah. Because I am living proof. Okay. I am living proof. We are all living proof that hard work gets you places. Okay. It doesn't matter what resources you have or support you have. Every single thing I've done in my life with Sparkathon, with debate. Okay. People. I didn't have any initial support. It's not necessarily I have talent for um, being an orator, or I, I used to stutter because I was so socially um, inept. Uh, I had extreme social anxiety. But now look at me. Now look at me. So don't tell me. Don't tell me that society is so oppressive to a point where I can't. I can't do anything but be, you know, violently oppressed by microaggressions. Don't tell me that. Okay. And don't tell me don't tell me to be ashamed of my food that i should be feel ashamed of some sort because of microaggressions i don't why because i'm so grounded in my heritage i've i've been i i love my heritage so much so what you don't like it well i don't like your culture either i i prefer my own <laughs> yeah thank okay. you i enjoy that skit <laughs> dialogue that you just presented that monologue that soliloquy mm-hmm mm -hmm. And I hope that this provokes conversation or provokes some sort of thought in the audience. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And again, if you are offended, I hope you are offended for the right reasons. Yeah. Actually, no, because then that would just mean that you were actually um, racially discriminated against. So maybe I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean... In my experience, the only people who are really affected by microaggressions are people who they haven't been really inculturated into their heritage at a young age. So they're sort of in this weird limbo between Western, their Western identity and their heritage, and they're very sensitive to any um, uh, to any like insults thrown at them because they don't have a solid grounding like we do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like, you know, your experience doesn't speak for us and we have a right to share our experience, you know? Yeah. And it's empowering in a different way. It empowers the individual instead yeah. of a group. 
we are individuals okay yeah and th- this is where i support individualism yeah it's yeah my yeah. philosophy is all over the place if <laughs> yeah but if this resonates with you then like you should be proud of who you are and it doesn't like that has no correlation it doesn't have to be correlated with uh the struggles you've overcome like you can just be proud of who you are and the stuff that you've done for what they are it doesn't have to like you don't have to bring in anything else to make your experiences more valid mm. Yeah, it's like when we're injected with all this political narrative, it affects the way that we perceive our own experiences. And we mm-hmm. highlight certain aspects of our experiences. And um, yeah, I mean, that's just how, how our brain functions. You know, we we have a propensity to create a narrative of, of our life. And um, we need to inhabit a narrative, so it's it's something biological within us, and that's why this is a problem. Like you're not you're not a character in in, in someone else's like political uh what what is what is it like ideology? You're not just a role in mm-hmm. in their play, you know. You you get to define your own existence. I believe that. I am living proof. We are living proof, okay? We are living proof. And if you deny it, then you are you are invalidating our experience. How dare you? Yeah, we are telling you what we feel. Yeah. Okay. And I think we give um, Asian parents too much. Is it too much slack? Is that the term now? We We give them too much crap, I think. We give them too much crap. Yeah. I'm not sure. I, I think a lot of the tiger parentism is more prominent in immigrant Asian culture opposed to like um, mainland Chinese uh, culture. I'm not exactly sure. Oh, interesting. But I feel I feel pr- okay. Tiger tiger parenting definitely exists, mm-hmm. and we have to acknowledge also the widespread um there's something about chinese culture that uh i I don't know just i I think we're adapting we're adapting and i'm sorry if this isn't your experience but what i've seen at least with my parents is that they're in this huge wechat groups of thousands of thousands of parents um, where they have weekly conference calls about how to raise their kids and they would have Q&A sessions where a woman or no not a woman it's it's usually a woman I don't know why like an expert on parenting would come in and uh parents would share their experience and the expert would be like no you cannot impose your oh, expectation <laughs> onto your 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 kids so there's an expert in parenting though like their kids gone to Yale or something yeah probably does that make them an expert yeah so i mean i guess and that's what so i've been seeing these huge huge wechat groups and i i I like to talk to my mom's friends a lot and progressingly so they're becoming more and more westernized 
and they're adapting their parenting style to fit the needs of um, the future because now we need individuals who can make their own decisions we don't need passive uh, you know uh, like like cogs in the machine that can just do whatever is imposed upon them by the communist regime mm-hmm. yeah so I think we need to give credit to Asian parents for for doing that because I see it as a widespread trend mm-hmm. yeah I think that comes with I think, okay, here's the thing. Um, I feel like Asian parents kind of phasing out of the tiger parentism, if that's a real term. I don't know, I made it up. Um, yeah, but their tigerness, their felineness, <laughs> um, I think them phasing out of that can often come off as whitewashing. I'm gonna put that term in air quotes. Um, when. Yeah, because I, th- I think a lot of, like, the newer immigrants, like the first generation, second generation immigrant kids um, get the, the more difficult end of that because you obviously you feel like there's, uh, whatever the situation is, there's usually some form of, like, oh, we need to succeed in this foreign land, like, whatever success may be for you. Um, but eventually, like, parents realize that maybe that's not the best way to parent their kids, or maybe that's not what's going to bring them the most, like, long-term happiness or whatever. It's just, like, not sustainable. Um, but that may come off as whitewashing for the newer immigrant parents. Um, and I don't know. I think, like, whitewashing is such, like, a... I feel so uncomfortable about the term because a lot of whitewashing is actually kind of like a survival skill, like the outcome of having to live in a foreign land for a bit. So you obviously have to pick up certain cultural norms that is more pertinent to wherever you are. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, to, to, to win a game, you have to play by the rules. And yeah. we're all inhabiting essentially a social game. It's it's tyrannical, but mm-hmm. you know the the alternative is absolute chaos. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't know. Eventually, you you just realize that you're not gonna be able to force your kids, especially if they're like if they grow up, let's say in North America, because that's like, what we would be able to speak on. Um, they're gonna be surrounded by people that are parented in a, in a different way than your classic tiger parentism. So it's probably just not gonna be as effective and it's just not like that's the reality of it. And so I don't know, I used to always think that like Asians in general are just subjected to tiger parentism like it was just embedded that's just like how we parent kids so like relative to every other race our parents are just straight up harder on us yeah yeah definitely it comes from um this deep-rooted system in china where education was a direct line to success Mm -hmm. um 
you based on your education uh, like your your score on a certain test for instance like there's so many governmental positions right and uh and being an officer would basically lift your family out of poverty and completely reverse the course of your family's trajectory and to become a governmental officer there was this uh system of of tests that were based on you know your 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 writing ability literature knowledge math and things like that so uh like we focus on education so much because of that deep rooted system Mm-hmm. because it's ingrained into our head that this is the path to success whereas mm-hmm. that is not true anymore in um in the, the future in the futuristic society that we're developing mm-hmm. also if you have like a certain amount like if there's a scarcity of roles of education um like education is a commodity and it's gonna eventually run out and if there's so many people in the world and there's only so much education to go around and education is going to make you better off than somebody else and just like make your life better um yeah Mm. but uh, that's that's because they want their kids to succeed and they're realizing it's not making their kids succeed it's a factor but it's not it's not the overall picture you need experience you need to be good with people Mm -hmm. you need to be a good person and your kids Um, won't actually be able to do it um like you your kids need to actually care enough about it because you can't you can't ever scare a kid into doing something in the long run I think Asian parents are making that realization. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's we're what proud I'm of saying. you guys. Yeah, so, <laughs> so among all of this, this scalding, you know, blistering comments on Asian parents in, in in social media, we are a voice to say thank you. Okay, yes, thank you. gratitude towards the sacrifice that you guys have made for us. And I'm getting emotional just thinking about it. Oh my god! Um, <laughs> no, I'm not. I don't <laughs> cry. And thank you, thank you for all that you've done. And I know that um, everything that you have imposed upon us is because you thought it's what's best for us. Mm-hmm. But you have to trust us and our ability to, um, you know, decide for ourselves sometimes because we can't rely on you forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you. Where's the discourse on that? <laughs> yeah, more gratitude. More gratitude. More gratitude. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Talking about relationships. Do you want to transition to? Wait. Oh, yeah. Why don't we transition to talking about what is love? <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, sure. That was smooth. <laughs> yeah. Because mm-hmm. we love our tiger parents. Yeah. I don't think I have a tiger parent actually but yeah me neither like in general as like we just love all tiger parents we are proud of you guys for wait actually i just want to say two things before we move on and you can comment on it but for instance i don't really i haven't really experienced a pirate 
pirate parenting, the ti tiger parenting. Um, my mom tried to be, my dad tried to be, but I think it's just my personality. I was just always too rebellious as a kid. Oh my gosh, you're like the anti, anti-tiger parentism child. Yeah, I, <laughs> um, I, I'm a very disagreeable person. So, yeah. and secondly, one, there's one instance where I see tiger parentism with my own eyes. One, one instance where, um, actually two, okay, two. One is uh, my my old neighbor when I lived in Surrey. Mm -hmm. Her daughter is now uh, over 30 and she still lives with her parents. Never had a boyfriend. Um, well, I mean, she's straight. I, yeah. And, and, um, and, and never doesn't have any friends. Uh, her, her job was like uh, basically given to her by her mom because her mom has just did she did everything for her you know she was in charge of everything she was a supervisor and everything she was a crazy tiger parent and it crippled the child's ability to make her own decision so that's one instance but i mean this is a very obscure family they don't they don't have any friends they don't talk to anyone and the second example is my uh, childhood friend uh we won't name him but i mean Okay, this person, this person, we'll call him, I mean, Jesus Christ, <laughs> whatever. Just give uh, the person a name. Rabbit. Okay. okay so Rabbit uh, has sky high IQ ever since we were six. Y you can give Rabbit a sheet of music. Rabbit would look through it for like a minute and they got it memorized. Oh my God. Yeah, and they could just play it right then and there. And if you play a chord, uh... Oh, or, or some sort of arpeggio on a on a on a piano that's out of tune. He can tell instantly which note is out of tune. So this kid, this kid, is. So that's why I always thought I was stupid because my mom surrounded me with so many like geniuses that I thought I was just the stupidest person on earth. And fast forward, uh, he went in. Rabbit went into a transition program where uh, they could finish high school in two years starting from grade seven so by the time that i was in grade nine uh, grade 10 no grade nine they started university and their parents are true tiger parents they would set up cameras in their house to make sure that he was uh, they were uh, you know working and not playing games to that extent, it's crazy. No privacy. Oh my goodness. Yeah, I mean, so so fast forward to university. He, his mom lived with him all throughout university, so he had no social life. Probably, probably never had a girlfriend. Poor guy, or or or, or boyfriend. I think he's gay. Oh, he, I mean, oops. Anyways, <laughs> okay. Calling him now. Yeah, it's it's exposed. No, I don't think anyone knows who this is. Uh, I didn't reveal too much detail. No detail at all. But yeah, so it's it's he's he's probably around the. I don't know if he's graduating this year, but it's it's horrible. He he missed out on his youth completely. He's just working, 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 working all the time. So, I mean, uh, and again, this is their parents are unsocialized. They don't have any friends. They don't talk to anyone. Mm -hmm. I mean, so this is interesting because while you were describing that, like. Does he know that he's missed out on his youth? 
I don't talk to him. It's been a very, very long time. I just hear stories from my mom. Mm-hmm. And because from like out an outsider's perspective, you're like, yeah, that's tiger parenting. But like, would they even know? I mean, they have social media. I hope. Right. They should. They should mm-hmm. probably have heard the term. Oh yeah, I d- I did hear from my mom that he's revolting now. He's like, he's rebellious <laughs> now. I, I don't know how he's yeah. being rebellious. Like, I'm not gonna do my math homework today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, my point is, it's kind of like the Truman Show or something, right? Where it's like if you just, if that's all you know, you kind of just accept it. Mm. But I feel like to a certain extent, we have some sort of uh, innate understanding of. Uh, like of an innate understanding of good and evil. I mean, mm-hmm. if you were born into slavery, I don't think you would. You would know that. Hey, this isn't very good. I mean, do you not have eyes? You could probably see people who are not slaves and how you, you know. It's like, oh, why, uh, yeah, why are that's... you not being whipped, huh? So. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so I-, I was just waiting to see if you wanted to comment. On, yeah, on I'm trying thought. to think. Like, I. I, I don't know how... I mean, okay, so the parents were, were probably just telling him that they're, you know, preparing him for the future. He has so much potential. Yeah. Um, everything that they're doing is to, you know... So th- is for him so that he can fulfill his immense potential. Yeah, I mean, this but, kid's a genius. Yeah. I just wonder, like... I mean you said that they didn't really have a social life so i guess i kind of just assumed that they were like completely cut off from the rest of the world but if he still has like some sort of access to the real world which no, i know he i'm pretty sure he has friends but his mom and his dad they're a very weird family so mm-hmm. yeah there's this trend with tiger parentism that's it, like tiger parents that exist today there seems to be a common theme where they're not very socialized. They don't interact with other parents yeah. uh, very often, so they're just stuck in, in their in their old ways. Mm-hmm. But parents who do um, seek out, uh, you know, interaction with other people do learn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I've seen, and that is what we're here to praise. Thank you for learning. Yes. Okay. And. Uh, and I, I mean, I, I've been happy to be part of the experiment. It built a lot of character, personally. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you grow through adversity. That's true. So yes, we love Tiger Parents. Now, what is love? <laughs> <laughs> now onto defining love. Mm. How should we start this off? Um, Do you want to start this off with that anecdote with um? <laughs> that oh my gosh, on? yes. I have a very fun um, story about this. No, not really. But when um, when Kristen said that she enjoys long conversations with people, I was able to <laughs> I was able to confirm that very immediately. <laughs> Because in our time together working on Sparkathon, mm-hmm. we were we had lots of meetings and our like meetings three were, four times a week. 
at least two hours frequent and they would they would go on for a long time and I, I I'll be honest like in initially it was a lot because I, I was like oh my gosh like that's that's a long meeting and we meet a lot but <laughs> our meetings would always kind of like bleed into conversation and I still remember one night it was late nearly midnight all I wanted to do was slumber and uh, we were basically like wrapping up the meeting for the day and Kristen asks our mentor Peter hey Peter what is love what do you think love is oh my god (laughs) it was um yeah I actually thank you first off Kristen for asking that because I was very curious just at just obviously I didn't know I was curious but it was a good question and Peter shared with us that he thought love was uh, I forgot his exact words but something along the lines of like a daily decision like a a daily choice that you make and if you love somebody, you would wake up every morning and every single morning you made the choice to love them and to put their needs above yours and to care for them, like all that fun stuff. Mm. So, Do you want to share the story that um, he told us about how he and his wife met? Do you remember? I remember a little bit. It has to do with like stuffed animals, right? Yeah. And like, yeah, wasn't it? Oh my gosh. Did did they set up a virtual date for their or what a real date? Oh my god, you don't know anything. Oh my gosh, <laughs> no. I only remember the punchline. I remember not the punchline, but like the end the, the end when he was like, "Oh, it's because like she Okay, no. You can tell the story and then you well, can also I remember like everything Peter tells okay. me. So was, Oh my gosh, no, you're not you're going to make me sound like a bad person. No, it, it's it's you 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 extract the ultimate like meaning from the interaction. I just yes, remember actually. everything. Okay, because tell I us his, yeah, tell yeah. us his story if he's okay with it. Oh right, I think it's not. I think I mean, it's fine. <laughs> it, it, it's not. It's not anything personal or anything. I think yeah. He, I don't think he even okay. listens. We'll Anyways, talk about the story first. Okay, so... and we'll deal with the consequences later. <laughs> The worst that can happen, technically, is that a Hollywood producer wants to make a movie out of it. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's, su- it's such a beautiful story. Mm-hmm. I mean... Um, Me saying, mm-hmm, as if I remember. I swear. Oh my gosh. Just okay. I'm not going to get into their personality and like all of that stuff. Because that's a bit too personal. But uh, they met... They, they were both students at Brown University and uh, they met because Peter was quite rebellious and he would sleep in the library um, with a pillow, I think, and and like he has a whole bedspread laid out in the library and um, his, his per- current wife would approach him and be like, you can't do that, you know, the annoying Karen type of character. and. And he would keep doing it just to tick her off. And eventually, she he asked her on a, on a date. Okay, and they went to a local Greek restaurant, and um, they each brought a stuffy, and they pretended that their stuffies were their kids. And 
they were um you know on a on a on a play date you know so they would they would puppet around their their stuffies and pretend that they were their kids and they were talking to each other yeah what's your favorite color and and they would take turns pretending that they needed to go to the bathroom so they could they could eat you know so one person would go to the bathroom the other person would eat they would come back and they'd be like ah here you are again so uh, okay <laughs> yeah it was so cute i mean what who does dates like that anymore i thought that was they're, they're so compatible um because they're 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 basically polar opposites i mean his wife has has such immense love and curiosity for life and everything there is in existence she would like stare at like i don't know the sun for five actually she shouldn't do that she doesn't do that <laughs> she would stare like a, at a leaf at a flower like, wow oh my god and peter is very analytical and uh, a, a very like and the complete opposite he's like oh a flower okay cool <laughs> that kind of thing so i mean it's it they have such a beautiful love story i can't get into too much detail but anyways it's beautiful it's beautiful it's wonderful they have such an amazing they have amazing children an amazing family and it's it's not we can't romanticize it i mean yeah as peter said love is a daily decision and i don't know we don't have much to say on it personally (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> we should have probably prefaced this section with, um, hello, <laughs> we don't know much about love. Yeah, it's it's interesting to, this to grapple with This part is more that, for, like, know. documentation than, you know, genuine discussion. Yeah, to look back in 30, 20 years, hopefully we found love by then, hopefully we're just not married to our work. If that makes sense. Yeah, oh. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but actually, we previously discussed um, some other types of love. Because love doesn't just come in the form of, you know, romantic love. Romance, passion. Haha. Haha. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there is obviously like love between friends or. As we previously also discussed, tiger parents or just love <laughs> for your parents and your family. Um, so yeah, what I guess like what makes that type of love different or the same or Jesus Christ! I mean, with I'm asking the questions now. Uh, uh, I mean, I could I could offer like a like a description of each mm-hmm. there god i mean with with uh with family with family uh love and it's it's rooted in a biological impulse but and that biological impulse ties you guys together you know you cannot run away you have to tell the truth you have to show me everything you cannot lie and i i will show you all that i am and you will show me all that you are and you make the daily decision to love that person even though you you start off with this uh connection with the individual um you still have to make the decision to love the person and, and work with them to formulate this 
a cohesive uh, relationship with them. Mm-hmm. And and I think with romantic relationships, how it parallels it is you begin with uh, just under understanding each other on a more superficial level. And with marriage, I see that as similar to that biological impulse that clicks, that that, that chains you to each other so you can't run away. Um, marriage to me functions as that. Although there's a deterior- deterioration of the um, institution of marriage in recent years, we won't get into that, or we could, but I don't know. Um, <laughs> so, ultimately, to me, r- romantic relationships should be for the um, pursuit of ultimately end goal of reproduction, having children, um, and it's getting the definition of romantic love is getting blurry now that people are wanting kids less and less. I really want kids. I'm definitely going to have kids. I'm going to have an army of them. Um, but. <laughs> Yeah, so that's what I—that's how I see romantic relationships, and they're also fun. You know, you, uh, you, 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 you grow with each other. It's uh, you have this lifelong partner um, who you tackle everything with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So and and friendship is. God, I mean, I talked about this with my. Uh, hold on! Hold on! Hold on! <laughs> okay, yeah. What was that? Some some kid just started <laughs> screaming. Is that your brother? No, it was my mom. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sorry. No, it's all good. <laughs> she does Is she okay? No, she's fine. She won't she always like comes in my room randomly. <laughs> <laughs> and she starts screaming. Oh she wasn't screaming, she was just like, hello. <laughs> Oh, oh, that's so cute. Um, so okay. Anyways, um, friendship. Anyways, as I was talking about this with my friend Kelly, which is that I'm not exactly sure how to define friendship. It's different with different people. Um, as you develop, um, the nature of your friendships develop. When you're a kid, you use friendships as a mean to means to, uh, like identify yourself within a certain social group so you can um, have some sort of pseudo identity that you can identify with um, and, and and then that's necessarily because you need to have an identity before you can develop your own you know you need to be something before you can like you need you need to have something there in order to modify it let's say and I think as you grow older it's just m- more for uh, as we were talking about earlier, you see your growth reflected in other people. And when I have these very meaningful discussions with you, um, and when I saw you and Anson at, at the school, it's just we just come together uh, occasionally, and it's just it's just it's just meaningful. And you 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 have these great discussions. You um you 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 f- you like compliment each other intellectually you fill in some some blank spots that i may have and vice versa yeah i don't know i don't know about friendships i think for some reason that's that's the one i haven't figured out like a like a little gray yeah, yeah. i think 
that's interesting um, that you split it like that. Because I feel like when most people talk about, um, when most people try to like distinguish between the different types of love, um, they actually often resort to comparing like love between friends and almost like trying to put it up against romantic love and arguing that it's equally as important if not more but the way that they compare it is kind of using the same metric of like measuring which I don't think you can really do because mm-hmm. they're supposed to they're they're supposed to do different things and they're just different um so yeah I know people always like try to talk about how they find like you know how people say like you find soulmates in like your friends like you have friends that are your soulmates and it's like oh um that is finding a great friend is equally as important as finding a great romantic partner which I totally agree with but I feel like the way that a lot of people try to compare them um isn't really valid (laughs) you should you should be friends with your romantic partner but they should also be a partner in the sense that you should be able to work together Mm -hmm. i think that's perhaps the distinction yeah yeah because my mom is uh you know going through the dating stage now right so i'm able to observe it like observe very closely what what how like relationships fail what makes it succeed and things like that and it seems like there's people who you can be friends with and there's people who um but just because you can be friends with them doesn't mean you can have a romantic relationship with them and Mm -hmm. what i found is that people the the nature of your relationship when you are friends and when you are you know dating someone or in a relationship with someone is completely different it's like they become a different person mm-hmm. yeah i don't know i don't know if i have too much to say about that mm. <laughs> our resumes are empty <laughs> yeah i mean that's a good way of putting it yeah it's fun to think about because um even though now we haven't really experienced i mean you can't you can't we can't experience what love is really other than the love we have with our family because they love us despite us okay they love us no matter like it's not that they love us no matter who we are they love us at every stage of the process of us def- like uh, defining who we are mm-hmm as well you know but with i feel like with proper friendships and relationships you need to become someone until you can have a proper friendship and relationship Mm -hmm. yeah i think with a lot of um i guess i'll just speak on friendships for now because (laughs) it's kind of like all i can but i guess with a lot of friendships like you the love that you feel and the love that you experience are kind of like for that person in that moment in time um although maybe you can also argue that that's not really love 
um i don't know i guess it all kind of depends on how you define love but then we also don't know how to define it so like the way that you experience it is based on your own definition of it but in terms of like i don't know maybe like the only thing i have to say about this is like also credit where credit is due i did talk to anson about this just very recently (laughs) so we might have the same i don't know if you talked to her about this but um something that she and i were talking about is how you see people at their very worst or even just like they're very neutral they're very like not even worse or their best just like straight out of bed or just most human form and you can still want to be with that person or you can still like you can still like want to always help them out or like have their best interest at heart um but also like yeah when you see them at their worst and that's a decision too right and those are your yeah those are where your decisions come in and even if you see them at their ugliest like even like in terms of let's say personality um and you see like the really dark sides of who they are can you still want to be that like be with them and not even like try to change them because i think also nowadays a lot of people have like the the fix it pers- the fix it mentality where you want to fix the person and you feel like that is love and maybe that's your way of love but isn't isn't love just like wanting to be with that person and like caring about that person for who they actually are Well, everyone is kind of a monster when you get to know who they are when you're in the privacy of your own home and they you're both super tired and you know the kids are on your head and you just get into this heated argument because I don't know your husband spat in the sink or something um, and you, and then you see how monstrous people can be sometimes uh, when you're in a serious relationship with someone and um that's true for everyone so if you if you break your ties off with one monster you have to uh you have to find another one unless you want to be single for the rest of your life but Mm -hmm. i think despite all the hardships it is because of the hardships that makes relationships so meaningful and we're incomplete without them it's not something that I can necessarily articulate, but I I just have faith that that is a fact of life. That we were like meant to be in relationships. Yeah, and and you can't you can't really change people, but you just have to make sure that you'd be able to cope with uh, you'd be able to overcome things. I mean, you guys are going to grow up, but you can't force someone to change if they don't want to change that's a good point yeah yeah like a lot of within a lot of marriages um there are obviously still going to be things that 
you don't like about the other person or something that just ticks you off and eventually you just have to surrender and accept that that is part of who that person is and learn to live with it maybe well i was reading the new jordan peterson book 12 more rules for life and he said um eliminate the small problems um and overcome the big problems together no Okay, he's something. It's the small problems that destroy relationships. The small problems that build up over time. Um, that. How did he say it? No, okay. Well, at least small problems, for instance. Uh, okay, yes, yeah, small problems. It is small problems that it's, it's the initial domino that falls, that leads to the relationship ending. For instance, okay, uh, let's say you um, don't go on dates with your spouse anymore, or they don't, uh, something as seemingly trivial as them not greeting you at the door with a, with a kiss, moi, and, and a hug, oh, oh baby, you're back, or something like that. Um, and 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 that over time you know it may be a one one small situation within a day but you have to live with this person for the rest of your life so maybe you feel from many similar instances that oh this person is uh, falling out of love with you you know you feel less love in your life because of all these small instances and you see them being so friendly with the neighbor and and they're so they're so indifferent to your existence oh my goodness and you build up this resentment over time and when it comes to dealing with big issues um all this resentment pulls out and it deals with and it it manifests as complications in your cooperation when it comes to big issues so it all all stems from small issues Mm -hmm. so you, you i guess you need to fix those small issues in relationships yeah. yeah that's all i have to say on that <laughs> i mean we're we haven't been married before we we haven't had any long-term relationships yeah yeah it's 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 nice to document this and maybe in 20 years when we are married and we have kids we could be like oh you know yeah also that can also the way that we view um love now can be reflective of our current relationship status is like because it is a choice at least for me as of right now like maybe I'm not ready to make that make the same choice every single morning so mm. thus <laughs> <laughs> it's not a necessity in your life or or maybe you you don't it's you don't not yeah but like what do you I, I I feel like you you think that it is I think it's a necessity because I think the purpose of romantic relationships the end goal is um, to work together to bring up the next generation mm-hmm. so that's tie into the meaning of life it's part of a meaning part of the meaning of life yeah. my mom always said life is like a pie there's three chunks your your spouse your work and something else your education i forgot anyways there's three things mm-hmm. anyway so um yeah and that kind of subliminally like subliminally subliminally 
implanted itself into my brain mm-hmm. and I've always loved children I love children I think they're, they're, they're the best thing there's a they're the best thing uh, and um, I, I know that it's it's very scary bringing up children in the world today but I have faith in humanity and uh, I think that bringing children into this world and trying my best to be as good as a parent as I can be um, is can only work to better this world, not um, deteriorate it. Wow. Yeah, I have faith in myself and I, I have faith think in my you're kids. the first person that I've talked to um, of this generation that is so sure of that. So that's refreshing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Why? Why are people so pessimistic about humanity? I love humanity. I think we are amazing. We need to cut ourselves some slack. We are able to overcome anything and everything. And um, I am more than excited to bring up the next generation. Although I don't want to give birth. <laughs> I will say that. <laughs> yeah. I'll just... Do you want to have an army of children? Yeah. I, I just hope. Um, I'm. I'm happy to adopt, and I'm happy. I hope my my future spouse will be willing to pop out some children for me. <laughs> <laughs> I think eventually I, I have a kid of my own. I want I, I want that experience in my life. I don't think I'd be fulfilled without it. A truly human experience. Yeah. Oh my god, it's so terrifying. Hey, why don't we talk about what we want to do as a parent so we can keep ourselves um uh what is it? Accountable. Accountable. Yeah. Yeah. What we want to do as a parent. Um... Wait, by the way. Do you think you will have kids? Um, I don't know. Um, yeah, I have no idea. I guess we'll cross that bridge when we get there. <laughs> I'm not... I'm not putting yeah I'm I don't know I don't tell myself anything about I feel like if I set if I set a yes or a no subconsciously in the back of my head I will also be counting the years <laughs> because obviously as like women you kind of have a biological clock for like the optimal time that you should be starting a family. So, um, yeah, I guess we'll see when we get to that point. I just feel like that's not really something that I need to be worried about right now. Mm. There's no reason for me to be worried about it right now. Hmm. Well, I don't know. I, I like to have everything planned out into the future. Yeah. It's exciting I, to think about. I see. I used to think that. I used to try to plan everything out. But I just realized, like, I just don't know. And I'm scared that I'm going to tie myself into something. Like a a contract with myself. Mm. Even though it's, like, non-tangible, I feel like if I promise myself it, it's going to, it's going to close me off to opportunities or experiences in the future that I might want to take. And I, yeah, I guess part of that is 
yeah my mom my mom used to always tell me about how like about her experience when she was working and she had the opportunity to go abroad somewhere um to work and she's like oh well if i did take that chance i never would have i probably wouldn't have like married your dad like whatever this and that so even though i'm very glad that she um <laughs> married my father and we are alive today i feel like i'm not selfless enough to do that well i mean things change you never know maybe next year be like i want yeah. kids i want a million of them yeah well i i would already say uh it's an improvement for a while i couldn't stand kids so i literally said i didn't want kids <laughs> well i don't understand it when people say they hate kids i love kids they're amazing kids are amazing their minds are crazy but i think it was just like i was just with kids for a, a while because i would like babysit and stuff and every time i hung out with kids i would just get so emotionally drained well uh, me too I would, i'd be with kids all the time when i was younger i loved babysitting i think that to, to oh my goodness my mom came back she went uh hold on she went snow shooting <laughs> that's so funny <laughs> She said she has good food for me. Anyway, so oh, awesome. um, I'm moving because I have to charge my laptop. Continue. <laughs> Cut this out. Editing, Kristen. <laughs> yeah, my mom's trying to like initiate me into a whole discussion. I'm like, dude, I'm recording. Mm. I'm in the stew. <laughs> I'm in the stew. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> is that what people say? I don't know. <laughs> um, okay, so wow, the lighting suddenly become. <laughs> yeah, my desk lamp is on. <laughs> uh, I was dying from our fruitful conversation. Mm -hmm. Wait, sorry, where were we? Uh, uh children. <laughs> okay. Anyways, well, okay, yeah. So I think to get along with kids, you really have to put yourself in a mind in the mindset of a kid and and um, operate with them on the same level. And for a lot of people, it is emotionally draining, and it is—they can't do that because they perhaps cringe at themselves from when they were a kid. So it, it just—it um, feels as though you are reverting back your your progress, and you're um, maybe demeaning yourself. But I don't see it as I—I—I've I, completely accepted all of all of who I am, past and present. So I'm perfectly willing to make myself a fool just to entertain kids. I think it's very funny, the the games that I would, uh, you know, play with kids. They're so stupid, they're, they're so fun. Yeah, that's so interesting. I think hmm, kids are. I think they just scare me <laughs> because of the responsibility. Mm, no, not even the responsibility. Because I feel like I I could. Oh, well, maybe there's. <laughs> I'm thinking about it. Um, I think also just because I knew I would. I, 
I knew no I I'm so like I know that I was a difficult kid um and I didn't mean to be a difficult kid but I just had so much I just had so many issues <laughs> your mom just birthed you wrong okay it's not your fault yeah <laughs> yeah genetically uh, um yeah so I would be I'd just be scared <laughs> But look how you turned out. Okay. Aren't kids yeah. just the best investment if you're talking in pure financial sense? Yeah, but like ultra delayed. Holy. The best investments are long term. I mean, look at real estate. Mm-hmm. They're the most stable That's and they're, they're high yield. Mm. I don't so. know if kids are the most stable investments, though. Well, I mean, I think I truly believe the more you put into it, the more comes out of it. That's a good sentiment. Yeah, and sometimes life is tragic and it doesn't turn out that way, but I think I'm willing to make that sacrifice. Um, I'm I'm willing to risk it because there's so much... The amount of gain is worth the potential risk, I think. And I think the risk is only temporary. There's nothing that I don't think I can overcome. I can't overcome. Mm-hmm. I can do it. Yeah. Yeah. And I definitely feel like with kids, your return, I suppose, on said investment um, is, is like unquantifiable. You can't measure that with money. Yeah. It's just intrinsically meaningful it's the most intrinsically meaningful mm-hmm. thing also i feel like it's probably just also biology at that point you who know? cares it, it's i don't need to <laughs> contemplate why what forces are at play here to make this meaningful for me it just is it i don't just need to is. think that's yeah true. i mean i guess it's kind of ironic for me to say that because i come off as an intellectual i think about everything but i realized with life sometimes you just have to live it there's no point in just questioning things. That yeah. is awesome. So that's why I've decided that instead of being a psych professor, I'm going to go into business, be a consultant, or oh. a big bank. <laughs> I was like, go into <laughs> business and be a sellout. Yeah. No, I mean, it's. I'm going to be a sellout to capitalism. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm selling myself out. Mm-hmm. But. I have, I'm, it's, I mean, because my ultimate goal in life is, my biggest wish is to raise amazing children, okay? My biggest wish. So I'm willing to make that sacrifice because my mom and my parents were, made that sacrifice with me. So I want to do the same for my kids. Wow. That is so admirable. Yeah. People should follow in my footsteps. Kristen single-handedly repopulating planet Earth. Yeah, the birth rate is going to go like... The birth rate, yeah. (laughs) Oh, gosh. There needs to be more faith, more gratitude in society today. And I want to project those values outwards. And I hope people will at least start contemplating about what it's like. like, Oh, my God. What life would be like if they 
were, were more thankful, if they were more, um, if they had more faith in, yeah, in life's processes. Mm-hmm. Have more faith. Yeah. That's my biggest takeaway from today. Mm-hmm. I think we basically covered mm-hmm. everything that we wanted to cover today. Yeah. That was a pleasant three hours. <laughs> yeah, nearly three hours. I think we started. Good luck editing with that. Yeah, yeah. I hope my computer can take it. But that was a very, very fun discussion. And yeah. Um, Thank you for having me. I loved um, in- indulging in my my own high school experiences and talking about talking about philosophy talking about love and life Mm. as a peer observer Hmm. Mm, yeah and even if uh our audience like tapped out a long time ago because of how offended they were Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh this is meaningful for us and uh, we can look back many years later and be like oh that is who we were and uh this is who we are now and so cool to see i mean the beauty the beauty of technology everything is just immortalized so hello future me um hope you are doing well and i hope you have many many kids (laughs) how are your children (laughs) yeah it's very it's like exciting a time capsule yeah yeah and i'll have many many hours of footage mm-hmm. to scroll back on it's like a diary and uh, oh. mm. okay awesome. i think we should probably end off now so thank you for tuning in uh audience or future ourselves and thank you so much to shannon cow for joining us on this journey today it has been very very fun i'd love to have you on again in the future and we can discuss even more on so many things because my goodness um and yeah okay (laughs) 